I don't want to go back when I was 18. Even if I, it was a moment that, that brought me a lot of uh, joy. I want to be now. And I want to have joy in this moment, not the, the joy that I had when I was 18, because it's no more there. But there is another joy. And I need to see that joy in order to continue not pretend to go back in the past and feel the same thing that I was feeling 40 years ago. They say the more you plan, the harder fate hits you. So what happens if, on purpose, you just drift during an interview and are hardly prepared? Even though this episode seems a bit philosophical, it's worth sticking with it to the end. I talked to former European karate champion Fabrizio Dallepiane about his near-death experience, why training helps to be fully present in a future situation, how a fixed mindset doesn't allow us to see reality, the art of noticing, and how he uses martial arts to have personal freedom in everything he does. This podcast brings you stories from and about people who stepped into the unknown. Stories about fear, uncertainty, the illusion of security or, I don't know, let's see what it will be about. My name is Katarina Bayer and I will host you on this journey into the unknown. Fabrizio. Hello. Before the interview, I gave you my card from, from my podcast. And it says, if uh, nothing is sure, everything is possible. And I know that you have a very special take on the unknown and not knowing. And you like to have this state of not knowing. Can you tell me why and what your take on not knowing is? Well, it's, uh, not knowing in general is a big question. I can say that when you know already everything, you don't learn something new. So I try to not uh, repeat the same pattern of uh, thought or movement or whatever situation in life in order to learn more something new. And so when you don't know what's going to happen, you need to uh, uh, challenge yourself to, to do something different. And that's for me is a, a very uh, creative and uh, and uh, empowering space, because you really feel rather than being scared, you really feel that there is a possibility to do something. Why I think it's very interesting what you're saying is that you you come from a place of martial arts. So in 1980. For you were the European champion of martial arts in karate. Yes. So when you say a place of not knowing is something nice and new possibilities, for me, when I think about martial arts, it's a lot of practicing, a lot of training, a lot of planning what, what the opponent can do. 
which part does training play to be so present in this moment of the fight that you allow yourself to experience whatever there is? Well, you train a lot in order to be able to not think too much and to respond. Uh, that doesn't mean that uh, all the um, patterns that you learn of movement uh, are always effective because uh, you never know how the other person is exactly. So when you, when especially in, in, a, in a competition of kumite in fighting, um, there is never, even if you know the best technique, there is never the same way of doing it because the person is different, it changes. And this reminds me one of my uh, competition when I fight with, with a very beginner person I lost. Because uh, I was used to fight with uh, specific, uh, very well-trained people that does very good technique. This person was doing a very strange technique that I never uh, saw it. And I lost. I lost because I was not able to adapt. And uh, I lost because I was too fixed mindset uh, on what I knew, rather than just being open and try to find a new solution. And that's for me is, is what what uh, was one of the, my the best experience I had, because when you know too much, you you become very secure about yourself. Then some something happened that you don't know, and all your security goes away. Before the interview, you you showed me um, a technique that you're doing that we also uh, try to um, talk about later, but it's called martial somatics. What was interesting for me is the the the, the strength you have by actually not doing a lot. And for me, the word effort is really important because I'm a person who puts a lot of effort in it. And when we talk about training, I always have this, it, 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 you have to push yourself, you have to bring effort in it, it has to be strong. And you showed me now that there doesn't need to be effort to be strong. Can, can you maybe explain, maybe also from part of martial arts, what is effort, what is discipline, what is strength, and, and how you connect to these words? Well, discipline and effort are two words that have been using a lot in, this, uh, in martial arts concept uh, and also in, in other fields. And uh, I feel that uh, um, in order to have a result, you need to practice. But uh, depend how you practice. You can practice from a, a, a tense uh, point of view. And when you're tense, the whole body is in order to, to control the muscle of the tension is not feeling really well. Or you can do the same thing by being relaxed. So uh, the effort is still there and the discipline, if you want to call it like that, and the practice is still there, but it's different. The sensation is more pleasurable, it's more relaxing, it's less uh, uh, tiring. Even if you are tired at the end of, of uh, intense training, but you're also regenerated because you relax into that uh, tension. So the, the goal is always to not try to tense, but to relax into tension. That's a very controversial concept for many of us. Do you even divide between uh, body and mind, or is it one for you? 
uh, not for me, but I think that uh, <laughs> for everybody, uh, for everybody, the concept of body and mind is uh, is a very old uh, idea. No, maybe it's a young idea, or a very recent idea. But body and mind are together for, since uh, we are born, uh, since we are in this uh, earth. There is not you cannot separate these two aspects. Has uh, been separated maybe in order to explain certain process, but in reality they are not separable for me. And maybe I, I expressed it um, not clear, but when you train. There are disciplines that really focus on mind training, and there are f disciplines who focus on body training. What is difference in your way of practicing and training that combines both of it? Well, that's a, an interesting question because uh, this is a question that I, me, me and my wife are exploring since 10 years. Uh, my wife, Tanya Haberland, it's, uh, it's a poet. And the question is the same question she asked me: Why body worker and uh, martial artists or dancer are very focused and obsessed with the body, and us poets we are very obsessed with the mind? And so, by asking this question, we created a way to uh, learn that mind and body can be trained separately, but also together. Um, at the end, they are not separate. For example, she always uh, does an example to me. Language starts from a, a movement. Yes, no. So you move your head and then it becomes uh, abstract. So uh, the idea of uh, using uh, body and mind, uh, language and, uh, and, uh, and body, it's, it's very important to regain that uh, um, connection between the words and the movement And, and and the body, they are not separate because they come from from that, and that was something that uh, she taught me, uh, and that we are exploring uh, in our one of our project called the technology of tenderness. Can you give me an example on how you teach people that they can like train it at the same time? What do you do with with your students or the clients that come to you? Well, there are exercises that you do. Uh, like uh, you train your 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 body to do movement or body work in this sense, in this case, but there are also exercises to train your 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 ability to think uh, better. So and and then there are ways that you 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 put together the thinking and the movement, and that's 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 uh, that's something very important in our society that is uh, based on abstract uh, language. To bring back the, the quality of, uh, of uh, embodiment into language and also for the people that really work with the body to learn how to use better the language. So basically he, he, they are separated because we are using separately, but they are not. If you think about uh, the action of writing, uh, even if it's with a pen or with a computer, you still need to move your body. And in the same time, also your mind is uh, connecting Uh, your thoughts, your emotion, and so they're not separate. So we we create a, a, a path for people to first learn how to use the body, then learn how to use a better how, the way you think, the way you, you write, and then putting them together into something that is maybe uh, an, an, um, um, as we call it, uh, an action, a symbolic action.
that also touch other parts of the body and the mind in the unconscious. So symbolic action with the use of word, like poetry combined with the movement, that's a very powerful way of putting together body and mind. That's what we do in the technology of tenderness. Okay, and, and the technology of tenderness is one part of martial somatics? No, the technology of tenderness is a, is a process that we are coming from because she was a part and I'm coming from martial arts and then we try to understand how we could put these two together because we realize the, the, the separation between words and body and um, it's, it's, uh, it's um, the technology of tenants also come because we are used to use technology and the word technology is considered only related to electronics but in reality the, the beginning the etymology of technology is based on how you use your hands, your body, and so tenderness, because we want to infuse tenderness through words, through uh, action, kindness, uh, and so came this uh, technology of tenderness. And now also in martial somatics, we use uh, part of the technology of tenderness, and in uh, the technology of tenderness, we use uh, part of martial somatics, because everything can be um, fused together without a uh, problem. So... Coming back to you, come from karate. You were you're a trained martial artist, and you were very successful in this. And I read you did vatsu, tatsu, things that I've never heard before. <laughs> Then there was shiatsu. I knew this one and massage techniques. How, in the end, you brought everything together, and why do, did you think there needs to be a new method or technique that wasn't already there? Well. The thing is uh, that really changed my life uh, in terms of uh, putting things together besides the meeting with the poetry and uh, my wife was the water. The water element is what brings everything together. And I feel that uh, when I start to explore Watsu and other form of aquatic body work, I really realized the, the, the importance of connection. And, uh, and the water gives me the sense of unity, transformation, change that uh, is uh, very important in, to our life. The idea is not about having a technique uh, uh, that is different than something else, but to be able to flow between, to use everything that is uh, there. That's why I did a lot of experience, uh, but in a more fluid way, rather than fixed uh, idea about uh, shatsu is this, watsu is that, try to see how you can bring elements of watsu on, onto shatsu, and that's why also there is another practice called tansu, and also element of uh, touch into poetry. And so it's, it's uh, a kind of infusing this, uh, and this principle all together creatively rather than try to have an idea. So it's not a technique, martial somatics, it's a container of possibility, like the technology of tenderness. In technology of tenderness, we are free to, to use anything that is related to tenderness, to infuse tenderness. So also uh, touch can infuse tenderness, so why not body work? And, and beside uh, poetry and other way of using words. So that's the idea to to use more things together and to have a container. Because I come from martial arts, I call it martial somatics, it's my story since I was a child. And uh, for, for the other, the technology of tennis, because of poetry. 
So, and then that, these are the two containers that uh, represent uh, uh, our life more than a technique that we, we invented or we use. You know, when I, when I listen to you and when I try to bring it into words in my head, I figured out why it is so hard for me to understand and grab words for it, because it is not a technique that you can describe. It is not a method that you can read a book about. But what you said, it is, a, it is holding space or holding this container for pure freedom. So in my mind really has issues now to put it in like two sentences, what you do. Um, does this make sense to you that it's really hard to grasp because it's, it's, it can be used in different ways and it, in different forms and it's every time a new thing or am I just very lost now? <laughs> no, it is like that. It is like water. Uh, water has a different uh, possibility. It can, can transform into a river, it can become ice, uh, vapor and uh, uh, be strong, soft, uh, light. I mean, there is a lot of opportunities. So why we should uh, limit it ourselves? And uh, it is, is a very creative and artistic approach in this sense. Uh, you cannot explain art. You cannot trademark art. You cannot trademark poetry. You cannot trademark uh, writing. It's, it's, uh, yes, there are techniques that you learn, of course. But, uh, but then the moment you enter into that uh, creative uh, artistic space, uh, uh, the technique is just uh, one part of... Uh, Uh, of the process uh, so I think it's important to, to let people free even if I give uh, my experience I share my experience in whatever uh, I do by myself or, or with Tanya and, um, this doesn't mean that my experience is, is, uh, has to be followed exactly like this you can transform it because we are being of a constant change we are transforming constantly so why should I control this it's like telling Picasso to, to paint like uh, Rembrandt I don't know it's, uh, it's kind of complex no yeah. but uh, there are two painters that they do apparently two different things but they are still painting so that's how I feel You use the, the metaphor of water and there's this famous expression of, of Bruce Lee that I think everybody knows, like, put water in a cup, it becomes the cup, put water in a bottle, it becomes the bottle, be water, my friend. And we're talking here about freedom, possibilities, flexibility, and I don't think I'm just talking about myself, but when I look around, I, I see a lot of stiffness. I see a lot of rigidity in bodies, in mindsets. We, we have a lot of controversies where even when we talk with each other, there is no fluidity. It's always stuck. Now we have all these methods. We have all these concepts. For everybody, it's clear we have to be like water. Why is it so hard for us? <laughs> Because we are stuck into our mindset. We are always uh, um, thinking in terms of what we know and we are based our experience of life around what we know, not about what we don't know because the not knowing is scaring, coming back to, to what you are doing. Um, because when you don't know, you need to explore something different. And, uh, and if you stay in a space of knowing, you become rigid. You think that the other is wrong. And then you want to prove that. And then 
the conflict uh, arise even more. So I know also for myself, it's not, I'm not uh, uh, perfect. But I know that when I become more open, more flexible, I listen more to the other, rather than try to fix my idea or to, uh, to pretend that the other person relate to what I say exactly the way I want. I need to be more open to see another personal opinion, even if I don't like it. I don't need to agree, but I need to listen. And that's, that's, that's where it's difficult, I think, to be able to be present, listen, and allow also the other person or the other persons to, to express themselves. I think what you said is this, as soon as I, I think I know, even it makes me secure, it even makes me dead in a way because there is no possibility anymore. There's nothing new to experience, right? And I'm, I'm trying since more than a year to get to this stage where I enjoy the not knowing. And then before this interview, you, you showed me what you're doing. And I was so suspicious <laughs> because I couldn't trust. Coming back to martial arts once more, um, you said before this responding in training. How do you train to not know? Okay, so that's a good uh, question. I think that uh, you train to not know or notice uh, new things every time. Noticing, there is the heart of noticing is very important. If you see the person or the situation always in the same way, you don't notice anything new, then you cannot be into the unknown because you know already everything, everything is going to be repeated in the same way, it's a pattern. When you start to notice new things, you start to naturally realize that there is a lot of things that you don't know and a lot of things that you can learn. That's what I did with you, no? I took an exercise from martial arts in order for you to understand something different than what you already know. You get the point and then your practice change. So that's the goal, not trying to tell the person that's right, that this is wrong, but to give more op opportunity for the person to learn something new. And that's the key, noticing, as I, as I was showing you, I was asking you after each exercise, remember how you feel, notice how you feel, how is the difference, and uh, you learn through differences. So if you can rec recognize that there is something different, then uh, your body, your mind, uh, your soul will remember that also in other situations. So by being always in the, sense, in, the, in the place of noticing, you already are in, in the present because noticing requires a lot of uh, being present. Rather than try to, oh, I want to understand, I want to know exactly how it is, try to notice what, what you don't know. And then slowly also the rational uh, part is coming. Oh, this is the process. Oh, the process will take you into an understanding, rational understanding. But at the beginning you need to just let go of the idea of understanding everything and just experience something new and noticing something new. Staying curious, right? You shared with me a story before. We were talking at lunch about death. And I said to you that I've never seen somebody dead. 
and that I think that a lot of people at my age have never experienced really death. Maybe somebody was dying, but they haven't seen dead people. And then you shared a story about uh, with me about how amazing it feels when you think that you die. Can you share this again? Because well, it has a that, lot to do with That's my my experience. I don't want to take this experience as a, for everybody because I I don't know. Yeah. But I have an experience of. Uh, almost dying and I was dying in the ocean when I was surfing and for an accident I couldn't come out of the water and I tried with all my force to to save myself I tried, I tried but there was no way and the breathing was no more there and then suddenly I realized that I didn't have any other choice than letting go the moment I let go, I felt a sense of peace and ecstasy that I never felt in my life again. And and so, but I remember that feeling because after that, when I decided to let go and uh, I was dying, uh, someone took me out of the water. And so when I was on the beach, and when they brought me back on the beach, um, at the beginning I, was the, I had this feeling of ecstasy uh, and as soon as uh, the awareness of life, uh, uh, the, the, where I were, came back, I started to feel again all the intensity of life. And so I realized uh, in that uh, experience that, yes, death can be very painful for the body if you don't uh, know how to uh, manage the pain and things like that. But it's just that that, that moment when you let go, after the moment of, of pain and, and that we can manage with the palliative care in this moment, I don't think it's, uh, it's traumatic for the person who, who's dying. It's more traumatic for the person who stay because they don't know what is happening. So this experience gives me a sense of uh, relaxation. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not scared about dying. Of course, everybody's scared about dying. But the sense that if I remember that like uh, I did with you, in the moment I will die, maybe I will die a little bit better rather than try to force and, and uh, uh, save myself in any, in any situation. You need to, at a certain point, you need to let go of life. And you are alive till you are on this earth, till the last breath. So I prefer to uh, engage in life until I, I'm dying rather than think how stressful and painful would be my dad so that's that's my philosophy so do i understand you correct that this this experience changed your way of looking at life and and, and death yes and then i lost sometimes i lost sometimes this experience like everything and then I get stuck into fear of, uh, you know, unknown, yeah. fear of uh, whatever, the situation, the COVID now, what yeah. we will do, and yeah. the disaster, that, and the nature. Yes, yes, I, I lose very often this sense of, but sometimes when I remember, I, I oh, 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 there is also that. And in that feeling, I feel more relaxed. But if I get stuck into the fear of uh, what will happen uh, in the future, everything is going to be a disaster, and I'm sure uh, I will die bad, and I will live uh, much worse than, than uh, not thinking too much about that. So, but I'm often, often 
coming back to that uh, feeling, especially in moment of uh, not knowing, in, in because I don't know. So there are certain situations that I think I can manage, but then when I come, I don't know what to do. And so I'm learning constantly to relax more when there are situations like that, trust more, and uh, also listen more to the message that are coming from the universe. I mean, we are also, uh, don't listen. There are certain things that has to die, maybe a relationship, maybe a work. And because you don't have a courage to do it, life will bring you an opportunity to do it. And so at the beginning, you look scared because you're losing your partner. You look scared because you're losing your work or something more important for you. But then you realize in that, that that was necessary, but you didn't have the courage. So then life helps you to, to face that fear. And then you go back to, again, to feeling, uh, 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 to trust. But this is an ongoing process. It's not uh, something that you finish. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask when you said trust. How often do you lose your trust? Well, every day, I don't know, many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, it sounds so, it sounds so easy and logical when you say it, um, but I, but I think what you said, trust is something that is growing, and you not once have it; it's always like go, coming and going. Yeah, it is like that. But uh, I'm, I'm getting better. So I'm uh, when, when this fear comes, this trust, I lose the trust. I go back to uh, be grateful for what I have. Uh, really go back to the experience that had been positive and then I realized oh well if that time went well I don't know why this time has to go wrong so let's see what happened then I, I go back into the unknown but with a, a, a positive uh, uh, view rather than just being scared and of the unknown I go back and say oh okay let's see what this time will happen How, what I will learn so that's a, a constant uh, um, passage between, uh, oh, I'm scared, I lose my trust, and nothing's going to happen, uh, to, oh, wait a second, this is a whole pattern. Do I need this? No. Oh, let's see what will happen. How, what I noticed new that I didn't know before 10 years ago when I, I faced fear. So what is new that I can do today? And then I, the trust come back slowly. So it is coming and going constantly. You lived in quite a lot of countries in your life and you learned so many professions. We mentioned some of them before. Then there was COVID and as you work with bodies, I mean, this is like, it, it tells you to stop to work with people, right? Have you ever like wished to have like this stable, normal life. And it, it looks like this carefree life where you have one employer and don't have to be like flexible and adaptable. And do you sometimes... Yeah, some, sometimes I think, wow, it would be nice to have a job in a bank. So every month I get a, <laughs> a check. A, a check uh, but then I'm not free. Yeah. And I mean, this, this work uh, is challenging me a lot the last uh, two years. Uh, but uh, it still keeps me free of being myself and do a little bit more what I what I need and what I want and what I can. Uh, instead, if you're working for a company, you need to follow the rules uh, 100%. Here I'm a little bit more free. 
And what I did uh, uh, last year that was a good experience about going through uh, uh, and not being able to do my work, my body work, I couldn't touch people, especially the first lockdown. I've been working, uh, helping a center uh, that was organizing uh, 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 holistic practices, working in the kitchen, working as uh, like cleaning. But the difference was that in residency, that work as a, a failure. I saw as a martial arts practice. While I was uh, cleaning the floor, I was using movement from martial arts, so I was training. And while I was uh, cooking, I was being conscious about uh, how I cut uh, things in order to not hurt myself, like when you fight. And so I kept that quality, even if uh, I was doing something very simple. And that is where something changed. Because my my ability to stay there allowed me to meet people that saw me moving in a certain way, thinking in a certain way, and then they start to propose me new thing. So that's how I went through this uh, difficult moment. And I remember also when I was uh, younger um, in, in the martial arts school, you always clean the the, the gym and you put everything in order, is something that is part, and also in a Zen monastery is part. Also monks does this. So I think that depends how you do it. If you see as a, as a practice of meditation or martial arts, it's very good. I lost five kilos because I was always moving, moving, moving. And inside the house, I was doing 10 kilometers a day. And so that I, I felt, oh, that's a nice fitness practice. Also, it keeps me more healthy. So I tried to see all the positive aspect of that moment rather than see this, oh my God, that's a failure, uh, and etc. I, 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 I tried to use that opportunity in order to, to become more healthy, to be to practicing more martial arts. And that's uh, how I'm going through. Thanks for sharing this because the first thing when you said, and I even worked in a kitchen and cleaning, my mind wanted to say, uh, this is what when you're self-employed and Corona hits you can happen. But this would be like hier hierarchical thinking that cleaning or, or cooking is is le less important or has less status. And as you described it now, actually, yes, it reminded me of a lot of um, stories about monks that I read, right? If martial arts doesn't go into your life, yeah. then for what? Okay, self-defense, uh, you can decide to. But uh, the real martial arts that I, I've been learning since is how to apply this principle into real life. So it's not about changing the situation. It's about changing the uh, um, context of the situation. So if you constantly see uh, something as a failure or something that is not right... You're not going to change anything. The moment you change context, and this remind me of uh, of all the like uh, Kung Fu Panda, all the movie, yeah. you know, that the the, the panda uses uh, different things, and the, in martial arts, all the weapon they are basically uh, agricultural tools, sticks and tonfas and things that are used in agriculture in the past. And so everything has been used uh, as a martial arts, uh, but also you can use uh, uh, martial arts uh, uh, to clean. 
and I've done after that uh, a course that was uh, very nice uh, also to, to finish this idea, a course for gardeners because gardeners always hurt themselves and now I taught them how to use their tools in a martial way. So that's that's how also you don't need to change what you're doing but you need to know, you need to take from martial arts, that's what I did, the best uh, knowledge you have in order to support uh, people that work with tools that uh, rather than hurting themselves, they can heal themselves while they're working. I, I think now I I understand more what martial somatics means. Yeah, because this martial arts is not not a sport at all. It is like this concept and and this embodying this concept and using it in anything you do, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 So we cannot know everything. We have uh, um, the pretension to know. Even science is not perfect. We think, we want to trust it, that there will be something that will save everybody. That uh, is not true. There is always a probability. Is a probability, of course. Science is very important. You can, you can teach you many things, but they're not the way. Are a way, and in science, you see, it changes so much in this uh, last one hundred years. So, why, if it would be? Science would be the same of 100 years ago. We would be dead yeah. in this moment. It's interesting. We believe that science is true, but 50 years from now, we laugh about what we thought 50 years ago, right? Exactly. Yeah. I recently read uh, a book about changing the habits of thought, and there was a metaphor in there. And it said that we are still laughing about people who use Windows 95 because there were so many updates already, but we still clinch on beliefs and patterns that we formed in 95. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you something interesting. Okay. Now, uh, in the past, when the 17, the 80s, uh, when you have a car and you go to the mountain, and there is a snow, and the sun, you need to use your stop, stop your car. They was always saying, don't, don't use your brake, use your motor brake, because as soon as you press against, uh, you will slide more. Yeah, then technology change. Now it's completely different. If you don't use your brake now with a new system of brakes that they don't slide, you need to press strong in order to stop. But we still believe that old stuff, and even now. New driver has been taught that when you are on the snow, remember to not use your brakes. But they don't realize that the car are changing. Besides, maybe you have a car in the, of the 1980s, but if with new cars, it's completely different what you need to do. Or we still believe of that. So that's, that's our fixed mindset that doesn't allow us to see the reality. The reality is changing. We need to see what, what, what is changing and what is the best we can do with this change rather than try to uh, fight uh, change. It's impossible. Everything is going to change again. But we can prevent the accident of change. For example, if we don't uh, agree with the certain things that uh, technology is doing, we can decide not to use it. But uh, it's, it's different than closing ourselves in all the mindset without knowing. And so I think that's, that's, it's much more difficult to change this now 
than, uh, than using a new computer, like you say, a new yeah. program. And all the invention comes with, with uh, like challenging the, the known things, right? Yeah. yeah. But we are still stuck in belief that are all the, like all the religious belief. We are stuck again there about, uh, we are very stuck in all the f- fake or belief that doesn't make any sense today, but we still want to believe that. Yeah, I mean, this, this uh, interview that we are having turns out to be far more philosophical than I thought. But when we are already on, on this page, I am wondering why we like the known and the secure so much. Because when I think about knowing and, and the things that are certain in my life, they're actually not the really nice ones. So why do, So the question for me is now, do I prefer suffering than trying out something new? Well, we have been uh, trained to, to feel safe on things that other people think are safe, but they are not, like money. We think that uh, even if you're rich, no, you oh, if, if you're rich, I, I know story about rich people that lost everything. So it's not true that everything is uh, certain. No? Uh, even thinking about certainty, but you can die today in one minute tomorrow. How can you get so attached to a certain thing where everything is changing? It can help to have certain uh, things that uh, you feel comfortable, but it's not the answer of, uh, of life. You need to enjoy the things that makes you feeling strong, share the things that can make other also people feel strong, but to be certain that this will be forever, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah, but there are some things that, that scare me when it comes to, you know, this uncertainty. Because if I, let's say, fast forward this concept, I can never also be certain about a relationship I have, a friendship I have, uh, or yeah, trusting that I don't lose my apartment the next day. And I totally understand that this might feel not good for a lot of people, but in the end, it's actually true. It can happen tomorrow, right? It can happen, but this doesn't mean that you cannot take care about this. If, for example, a relationship is an ongoing process, not because you already have a person, you, you become in love with your partner and then you get married and you have children, everything is going to be okay. No, you need to face the, the change of the person, the change of, of life and, and, and be able to go through. And that, that's, that's the thing. It's not to try to change change, but to, to cope with change as much as you can. Uh, and of course, everything can happen, but you, can, you have a lot of uh, power to uh, choose and to create the best you can. And so even uh, losing a house, yes, of course you can lose a house, but you can also decide to, to be aware about uh, what is, why you should lose a house. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's something that uh, even if you lose a house, maybe uh, something else will come up. Maybe you will live uh, to another person. I don't know. Uh, I I think it's very important to not get stuck into this uh, fear of death. I, I think it's more fear of death than the reality. Because at the end, when you lose everything, what is the worst that can happen? Right to die. Hmm. And so we are afraid when we lose something, we think that that is m- more important in our life. In reality, is not. 
our life is is much more important. So until you are alive, losing something, if it happens, is not the end of the world, even if it's something very important. And uh, I mean, someone can argue about or when you lose your daughter, when you lose a person, it's a little bit more difficult. I'm not saying that it's easy. I say that uh, it, it can happen, so you need to be prepared. And be prepared is to be always open to this possibility. Not with fear, with uh, attention, with uh, um, awareness, being there rather than try to avoid everything. The pain, you cannot avoid the pain. Be there with the pain. If the pain is there, that's okay. But it's not forever. And you can prolong the pain if you, if you don't want to let go of that. But it's also normal to when something happens to feel the pain, to feel the emotion related to. So I don't think it's uh, so strange. It's very... Uh, but this, at the end, uh, the last thing you can lose is your, your life. And the rest is not really... It's only suffering. Yeah. But isn't there the saying that, I mean, we are losing our lives anyhow every day, like in small pieces? <laughs> You know, well, because I don't if you know. don't live it, you lose it anyhow. I live it. I don't think about losing, but I'm uh, I'm growing into life rather than again. Why losing? I grow. Yes, I become older. My body is going to be a little bit different, uh, but I grow into that. I have a different experience of my body. I have a different experience of my life. I don't want to go back when I was 18. Even if I, it was a moment that, that brought me a lot of uh, joy. I want to be now. And I want to have joy in this moment, not uh, the joy that I had when I was 18, because there's no more there. But there is another joy. And I need to see that joy in order to continue. Not pretend to go back in the past and feel the same thing that I was feeling 40 years ago. I have... Three last questions. Three? Wow. Three. Okay. It's always the same ones. Okay. The first one is, what is your biggest fear? Oh, my biggest fear. My biggest fear is fear. Can you explain a bit what you mean? I mean that uh, the moment I, I am afraid, uh, I'm really in danger. When, I, my, my, when fear is so present in my life, uh, I don't understand anything. I lose everything. I lose control. I lose my consciousness. I lose my presence. Uh, I lose everything. So that's my, my, my biggest fear. You had moments of this in yes. your life? Yeah. Yes. And I've been helped. When I'm in that moment, sometimes I cannot do it myself. I, you cannot do everything by yourself. You need to ask for support. Like now we are talking, maybe people will enjoy this and will get inspiration about that. Sometimes I, I also need this. So I go to someone that can support me. And that's important. Second question. What are you currently doing that you still don't know how it will turn out? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually believe you <laughs> um, the last thing is uh, not really a question but uh, 
I have... Uh, so I didn't bring my book because we're doing we're recording this uh, interview in Italy, um, but I I I in the morning before I left on the plane I uh, I went through a book where I put a lot of inspiring quotes, and I selected three random quotes, and you now will say one, two, or three. So you make the last bit of selection, and then I will read this quote out to you, and you just respond with whatever comes up in that moment, okay? Okay. So one, two, or three? Two. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people just exist. Oscar Wilde. True. Interesting. We talked. We've we had so many philosophical comments uh, in this interview, and now it's this one sentence. True. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you like this podcast, please follow me on Facebook at Podcast Into the Unknown or on Instagram into underscore the underscore unknown underscore podcast. You can listen to this podcast on www.intotheunknown.at, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from.